1: From the south coast tonight i'm marcus chris mccarthy will be back tomorrow we've got a good show ahead for you tonight uh richard pillow candidate for the 10th bristol district will be joining us at uh eight o'clock um but uh now um we're going to be joined uh by josh ostroff of transportation for massachusetts hey josh how are you oh sorry the Hello. the phone dial was down sorry okay you're good. <laughs> Great. So, um, before we get started, I had Chris Dempsey on about a year ago, and his—I mean, I've had him on in his more recent capacity, but I had Chris Dempsey on a year ago um, uh, when he was executive director of Transportation for Massachusetts. Can you um, tell us, you know, basically what your organization does? Absolutely.
0: Sure. So, Transportation for Massachusetts is a statewide advocacy coalition. We have about 100 members all across the Commonwealth, and what unites all of our members is that they have a stake in transportation. They want to make transportation work better for, uh, for residents of Massachusetts. They want a cleaner climate. They want a more just transportation network to get people where they need to go. Um, they want to make sure that we are you know, electrified, um, that we've got great regional transit options for people in the south coast and all throughout the state. Uh, We just want to make sure that we uh, can fulfill our potential as communities, as individuals, with a solid transportation network. And we do this as a coalition by working together, coming together to advocate with the legislature, with the administration, with the federal government, with cities and towns for smart transportation policy.
1: So we're speaking with Josh Ostroff from the Transportation for Massachusetts. So the reason I asked you to come on uh, was because uh, New Bedford has a uh, crucial uh, ballot question in front of them this November about whether or not to join the NBTA district, which... Um, you know, with that vote, it, it appears that the um, that the fate of South Coast Rail, something that you know we've been working towards for the last thirty or so years, uh, hangs in the balance. Uh, wh- what does it mean to be an MBTA district?
0: Sure. So, um, first, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you and your listeners tonight. Um, it just be- I uh, was born in the South Coast, uh, Fall River, if that counts. Um, And I love the area and and the region, and so I'm I'm really honored to be with you and and your listeners. (laughs) So the MBTA has about 175 member communities, and those are primarily cities and towns that have MBTA service, or they're adjacent to a station. Um, I happen to live in Natick, and so we've been an MBTA community um, almost since I think it was established in 1964, uh, but you can go out to Central Mass, uh, where communities get the Pittsburgh Line or the Worcester Line. Um, even Bourne uh, decided to join. So when you are an MBTA community, you are charged an assessment. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, amount of money that the state takes from the local aid that you get, they sort of pull a little bit of that back at the same time as they're giving money for education and other uh, and other services. Um, and that gives you, uh, obviously you have a stake uh, in the MBTA um, and you can get service. It also gives you the opportunity to participate in something called the MBTA Advisory Board. The advisory board has been around for decades and it helps to govern the MBTA. I actually also represent my community of Natick on the advisory board. And we have a great discussions about how to improve service how to ensure safety and reliability and affordability and make sure that the system is as good as it can be. And as your listeners probably know, we've got a way to go with the MBTA.
1: So Um, you were talking about cost, and I think that's a primary concern for a lot of people that have been calling into the station uh, over the last couple weeks when this vote kind of, uh, I think, really came out of nowhere, um, really surprised uh, a lot of people um, in uh, in the electorate.
0: Right. Yeah. And that was uh, so credit to the city of New Bedford for flagging this and putting them on, uh, you know, making sure this was on the ballot. I should also mention, though, as we talk about our coalition, some cities and towns are part of our statewide coalition. They don't pay anything to be there, but they get communications from us. And so we work with them. And so uh, Mayor Mitchell has signed on the city of New Bedford and we have several other members South Coast Chamber, Community Economic Development Corporation, Coalition for Social Justice are just a few of the organizations in the South Coast, as well as the planning agency, uh, Southeast uh, Planning and Economic Development District. So,
1: so we do have a, a lot of uh, you
0: know representation. Familiar with all, all those
1: orga- familiar with all those organizations? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I bet you've had them on the show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, but uh, it's it's important that the voters in New Bedford have an opportunity to weigh in, but it it may not be necessary because, as I understand it, New Bedford has this uh, because someone noticed that this was something that needed to be done to affirmatively join the META district. I don't think that Fall River has. Um, And so what can happen if the the city and town doesn't take that vote is the legislature could, uh, you know, pass a bill in the next session in order to to bring a community in, so, um, but I want to also be really clear about something else in, in the law, that that I would not expect that the assessment that the that uh, is paid to the MBTA from New Bedford to be significant. That's because you're already a member of the Regional Transit District for okay. uh, SERTA. and I'll give you an example again, uh, Natick, you know, where I live we pay about seven hundred thousand dollars a year uh to we were paying that to the mbta when our rta came about mm, about 12 15 years ago um instead of paying an additional sum we split that up so we actually pay more to the metro, metro west rta than we do to the mbta and i would expect something very similar in new bedford that a slice of the money that's going to CERTA would instead go to the mbta um, I believe that your assessment is in the range of a million two, maybe a billion three um, each year, the last I, I looked. Um, so, so I would expect that a small amount of that would go to the MBTA instead. Now that's certainly a concern for CERTA, um, right. but I think that the benefit to New Bedford of having rail service uh, up to Boston and communities in between uh something that your voters will take into account as well.
1: Okay, so I just want to clarify. So, since we have SERTA um, and uh, CERTA, we, the city of New Bedford pays about a million two um, ballpark, a million two to SERTA. The they will they'll just be funds diverging from SERTA in in instead of um, a fee uh to be an mbta district or would there be some uh additional fees that would be paid on top of the 1.2 million
0: well i uh it's definitely not for me to guarantee um but i will tell you the experience of communities that are in both the mbta district and the an rta is that their total assessment doesn't change but it's split between the mbta and the rta so that's true and uh Other southeast mass communities such as Brockton, uh, Taunton, uh, you know, and and all the suburbs around Boston because most of them are served by a local bus RTA as well. So that is something that I think people will have to sharpen their pencils and look at that, and it can change, you know, year to year. But generally speaking, you would not be looking at, you know, like an additional million dollars or so, which, you know, I don't think the Bedford or any community can afford to just have this. New
1: expense. Okay, so um, we're speaking with uh, Josh Ostroff, uh, the executive director of transportation for Massachusetts, and we're talking about the um, proposal for New Bedford to be an MBTA district. Um, so, a lot of people have been calling in, uh, having concerns for the MBTAs about paying, uh, being a part of the MBTAs' uh, flawed uh, pension program. If some of New Bedford's funds have to pay for that. Um, is that but from what you're telling me it sounds like that's not going to be an additional expense either
0: that's correct and i i so i believe that you know there is an obligation to retirees that we have to pay retired firefighters firefighters and teachers and, and police and municipal public works that is just an obligation of course that the taxpayers have no different from the mbta And I think the T gets a lot of bad press about their pension system, which has been reformed. Um, But some of the ways that that is different from what other pensions may work uh, is that there was this 23 and out uh, tradition. That is, once you were with the team for 23 years, you could retire at a full pension. And many folks did take advantage of that. But if you retired at less than 23 years, you didn't get anything. Whereas if you are in uh, most other government pension systems, you're vested after, say, ten years, and you could, you know, get you know get something back then. So um, that that is a concern with the T and their pension, as it is needs to be with every government organization. But it is not as bad as people make it seem. More to the point, though, for New Bedford voters, we don't get to cherry pick that we only want to pay for this expense item or that expense item. Yeah. Um you're you know, you're basically funding the entire budget of the MBTA a minuscule amount for two right. billion dollar, you know, budget, give or take. Right. You know, the um what New Bedford will pay uh will not
1: be negligible. Uh, you know.
0: Yeah, I think in the scheme of things, you know, I mean for individual budgets, I don't want to minimize what it might mean for it to pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars out if we I were doing it. we we'd notice. But uh
1: the course of uh you know New Bedford's entire population, it's it's a um, change. So um and uh I think we've covered the um the, the, the potential price point of it pretty thoroughly. Uh so what uh so you're saying that let's say let's say the people in New Bedford go in and vote no on this for mm-hmm. one reason or another. We get a particularly curmudgeonous uh, electorate out on November eighth. Uh what um you're saying that it essentially that's not the end of south coast rail the legislature could just go up and say okay we're going to pass this law because and why wouldn't they do that because they've you know the state government itself has put so much time and money into this
0: right i i well i would never want anyone listening to this program or anyone casting a vote think that it didn't matter but the reality is that having spent so much time and effort to restore rail to the south coast because you know years ago it was it was uh, there was rail service yeah. into boston um that having done that i don't think that the state would say well no we're going to just abandon that investment <laughs> right. before it even comes up so yeah. there would be some discussions with the legislature and i'm sure that the city and your delegation would be a part of that so uh, so i think that there are ways around it if the electorate said no, but I don't know why folks wouldn't want this great opportunity. Um, I want to point to some of the exciting
1: positives about having rail service. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That was going to be my next question. Yeah.
0: Great, great, great. So, so, I mean, I think that Bedford is poised for great things. I mean, it's an awesome community as it is, but I think that what people have struggled with is just the lack of great-paying jobs. And its distance from Boston, you know, as the quo flies, does not match how long it takes to get to and from. Uh, you know, their crawl on 128, 93, 24, 140, that is torture for folks that have to make that commute. Um, and so if there's an alternative that's affordable and reliable, I know that people will appreciate that. But just as important is the commuting into New Bedford. So people along, you know, the South Coast or the Boston area want to come to great paying jobs to support the new, you know, uh, offshore wind capital of New England. Let's invite them to do that and to do it on public transit. Um, But a good comparison that I see is the city of Worcester. So Worcester had no service for decades. You know, when uh, BTA, um, you know, when rail uh, was, Boston, Maine was running the rail network uh, in the Boston area, and they stopped service to Worcester, it finally came back in 1994. And then at great expense, uh, led by former Lieutenant Governor Tim Murray, Worcester Union Station was brought back to its original glory. And there were only a handful of trains um, every day now there's like 40 trains a day to and from there's express trains of course it's an, it's an amtrak stop worcester is one of the hottest places in the commonwealth to live and grow a family and start a business because it's affordable you know there's great housing options it's a dynamic community great culture yeah. and that is some of what we can see in new bedford having access to good transportation makes all the difference in being able to attract a workforce, having a more vibrant, you know, culture. And taking nothing away from the great assets that New Bedford has, but think of it as the city will now have an opportunity to share its wealth and grow its wealth by having better transportation connections. But it will take some time. From those, you know, few trains a day that we start with, well, we have to make investments throughout the rail network. We need to electrify it. We need more frequency. We need to double track in places where it's just single track. And then you could see a dozen or more trains a day to and from New Bedford. You know, I don't write the schedules, so I'm not making promises. But if we look at Worcester as an example of where they've been from 1994 to 2022, it's just night and day. And I see some of the same great things happening in New Bedford and Full River and Taunton, you know, uh, when this line opens up.
1: No, I totally agree with you. Um, and uh, it is really an exciting opportunity as someone who's occasionally had to commute to Boston for work uh, it, it really um, it, and actually had to drive up to twenty four in uh, Bridgewater for college uh, that really mm-hmm. um that really sucked uh, for lack of a better term. but Josh, um Josh, uh, my understanding yeah. is that this the South coast rail when it arrives is going to be about a 90 minute uh, commute. Now, I talked to, um, uh, Bill Strauss, Secretary, I mean, uh, uh, Chairman of Transportation in the House. He's one of our members of our delegation. He told me, and I, I, I sort of agreed with the sentiment that it's probably better. It's still better than driving up there because uh, you're you're in a train. You're not, you know, having to focus on the road. You're not having to drive uh, through um, congested traffic. And right. most people are budgeting a couple hours into their commute anyway.
0: Right. Well, and, and when you're driving, you're pretty unproductive, yeah. and, and it's not that safe. So right. and, and you're adding to uh, carbon emissions and polluting the air uh, that you and, uh, and other folks breathe. So you know, uh, transit is a, a much better alternative. I mean, I, I want to commend uh, Chairman Strauss for his great leadership on transportation. And, you know, he was a, uh, an advocate for the Middleborough branch, uh, which is the route that wasn't the original plan for South Coast Rail. But it's what we're going to go with now because it was achievable. It could be done years sooner and yeah. millions of dollars less than the electrified route uh, uh, to Stoughton, Stoughton
1: um,
0: own, yeah. which has some of its own challenges. But I think that that um, yeah, if it is 90 minutes now, well, when we have electric electric trains, it'll be less. When there's express service, it'll be less. Yeah, I don't see it ever being you know like an hour. But even 90 minutes, a fair bargain. Uh, you know, I mean, as, as a regular commuter, um, the 40 minutes or so I spend on the train getting from Natick Center into South Station, I'm using that productive. Right. Uh, I'm able to, you know, I've opened up my laptop, as many others do. I see people reading, knitting, you know, in conversation, just really having a great quality of life for their commute compared to driving, which, um, uh, well, my predecessor in his role, Chris Dempsey, after we called the Boston area congestion soul crushing. Yeah. It is it, it, it is it is uh, mind numbing and you can't be you know productive uh, there. I know that we sometimes like the you know the sanctity of our automotive space, but yeah, it's overrated at rush hour.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. and uh and uh I I was reading this was a a few years back, but I can't imagine it's changed that much. Um the average commuter loses like uh twenty nine hundred a year in lost wages uh from uh from from uh their, from commuting into Boston and the it cost the Boston economy a few billion dollars traffic congestion and in fact the alternate route like South Coast rail will do a lot to alleviate that congestion to begin with right
0: um not as much as we would like at the level of service it's uh um, forecast, yeah, but you know traffic is not linear, so every if every car we take off a rush hour is a little bit of benefit for the cars that are that are still there. So, if we can reduce traffic by five, ten percent, that's going to make for a better experience on the roads for the other folks and for the you know people who choose uh, to take to take a train. And the train's not going to be for everybody. And if you're commuting from New Bedford to some place that's not on the rail line, obviously that's not ideal. But think of like what how great the Brockton to New Bedford or Taunton to New Bedford community. Yeah. You know, there's a, it doesn't solve the problem of better connecting the South Coast. You know, within getting New Bedford to Fall River. Well, that that train's probably not coming back. But um, you know, but uh, we can't solve every problem. Uh, you know, with a fixed route service, we do need other. Innovative ways to get uh, get around. And I know that's something that SERTA is looking
1: at. Yeah, like I said, when I was commuting from, you know, I live in Fairhaven, when I was commuting to Bridgewater, uh, I would have definitely preferred a uh, a train route. Josh, thank you for coming out and explaining all this to me. It's been very, and in, to our audience, it's been very um, enlightening and uh, encouraging. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? And, and where can people go to learn more about your organization?
0: Sure. Well, uh, sure. So we have a website, T. The, the number four, ma.org, T4MA.org, um, and uh, certainly invite people to go there and learn a little bit more about what we do. Um, here's what I want to leave you with. About seven years ago, um, the Vermonter uh, service was brought back to what's called the Knowledge Corridor, and that is in Western Mass. It goes between Greenfield and Springfield, and the train, actually, it's the Amtrak train that goes from near Burlington to Vermont all the way to New York City. So I was on the first train. Uh, We left uh, the city of Greenfield and arrived in Springfield. I don't know that I have the words to describe the joy and exuberance that people felt when that first train came. And now ridership is gangbusters on that line. They're adding service. The state of Connecticut and Massachusetts are working together to have more commuter service. It has added so much to the quality of life and made people more productive and given them uh, new options for traveling. So... That's what New Bedford has to look forward to. It'll be uh, a party train, I'm sure, you know, partying responsibly, but that first train, when that opens up, um, is going to mean something. And I want to give credit to state leaders. Uh, governor Baker has redeemed his commitment that he made to bring this forward. It yeah. won't happen while he's governor, but, you know, he should be on that first train. Yes. Um, uh, the legislature and MassDOT, sec- former Secretary Pollack, all worked well on this and actually stephanie pollack really said it well as much as a transportation project it's really more about land use making the best possible use of the great resources we have uh, you know on the ground and helping people to grow their businesses uh, to innovate and to excel and when we think of the transformative power of clean energy and what that would mean for the south coast the trains a great complement. So these will be electric trains someday battery electric is the future and that is what uh, the mbta is looking at won't happen right away but when we think of how strong and innovative and compact batteries are that is definitely where we will be um you know 10 years from now so it won't be diesel forever Uh, we'll have more options i really enjoyed the opportunity to speak and i look forward to talking to you again
1: thank you josh i appreciate it have a good night you as well thank you that That was That was Josh uh, Ostroff from Transportation for Massachusetts. Like I said, I had Chris Dempsey on when he was executive director of that uh, organization. Now he's running for uh, state auditor. But uh, absolutely, um, I thought an enlightening interview. And I'll make sure to get that podcast up as soon as we can at the end of the hour because we're really going to. um, I think people are really going to learn a lot from that. Uh, and, um, I hope that answered a lot of questions that, that you guys had. I've, I've heard everybody call in throughout the, not just this program, throughout all of our programming about South coast rail, about what the MBTA district will cost. I know that a lot of people were fairly unsure, um, about, you know, uh, where voting for an MBTA district will take us and how much it will cost. And I hope that cleared up a lot of uh, your um, your questions. Um, and I'm going to take a break now, but when we get back, we're going to take your calls at 508-996-0500 if you want to get on. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, probably recap what was said, talk about what I think about South Coast Rail. And again, I have been very supportive of it. And, um, yeah, we'll be taking your messages on the app chat as well. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. Yes. Hey. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris McCarthy will be back tomorrow, but I'm here with you today. That was Josh Ostroff from Transportation from Massachusetts. We're also going to be speaking to Rick Trapillo. He's coming in um, in about a half hour. He's going to be on at 8. Looking forward to talking with him as well. <clears throat> 508. 0500 so you can get in the program. So, um, again, I hope that cleared out some questions. Uh, I think, you know, given... And he, he said he can't make any guarantees, but, you know, I, I, I take him at his word as an expert in, uh, you know, transportation policy that uh, this likely isn't going to cost this likely isn't going to cost the city um, any extra money than they're already paying. And even if you voted it down, it doesn't seem like, like, you know, we're, we're, everybody's working toward for 30 years towards, you know, getting this train back and getting rail service back. And, you know, people just show up and say, no. Right. And, then the legislature's not going to be like, oh, well, what are you going to do? They'll just pass a law. I believe Fall River has actually uh, put theirs on the ballot. I think they might have done it sooner than New Bedford did. They're voting on it in the fall uh, and on November 8th as well, I- I'm pretty sure. Bourne did it back in twenty in twenty fifteen. Again, it gives it does give the city a, a seat at the advisory board, uh, the MBTA advisory board. Um, so, in understanding that there are some issues with the MBTA, I think those are going to get resolved. And you talked about you know, in places where there is rail service to Boston, you're seeing a lot more opportunity. Worcester has had um an incredible growth in i mean just the last 10 years but really the last 20 or so years there's been a lot of investments made there it makes the city eligible uh, you know getting south coast rail back to the city is going to make the city eligible for a lot more uh funding and investment opportunities and grant opportunities from the federal and state government as well Uh not to mention raise the, uh, property values, uh, for, for homeowners. It's going to provide more economic opportunity by providing, by opening up the job market for a lot of local people. Um, you know, I, I didn't get to talk to him about this. Maybe I, I should have asked, but I, I can in the future. I, I'm a proponent of making a sliding scale fee or uh, no fee at all for the, uh, MBTA, but I know I did talk to Chris Dempsey about that some time ago. Uh, I talked to Jake Auchincloss about that, too, actually, uh, who sits on the House Transportation Committee uh, in in Congress. And I think they believe they were both broadly supportive of that policy as well. But um, I mean, think having that rail service to Boston and everybody's like, not everybody, but you hear uh, it's not like a cure-all, right? People keep using the word panacea and it's going to drive me nuts, but... Uh, It's not a cure-all. It's like, yeah, I get it's not a cure-all. I get that there's, you know, some systemic uh, inequities in the city of New Bedford and more broadly in the Commonwealth and more broadly in the United States that need need to be addressed, but this is an avenue for opportunity. It's one of a great many things New Bedford can and frankly needs to do, um, and this region needs to do, uh, to you know, really meet its potential for economic growth uh, in the region. And I, I've, I've told you about all the stats and, you know, the commute to Boston, how much it costs commuters, how much the city's, lo- how much Boston's losing in particular. Boston has the highest traffic congestion in the entire country, in the entire country. So, and I know that there's people in this audience that have commuted to Boston. I know there's people in this audience that commute to Boston and listen on the way back, right? Right. And you can't tell me if you're commuting like straight into Boston, if you're in one of the suburbs, maybe that's a different story, but if you're commuting straight into, the, if you're commuting straight into Boston, you can't tell me that the train isn't a better option. I done that commute a few times when I had, uh, I had some work in Boston when I was a solo practitioner. Uh, I was this, the program this the law school started to give me some office space right in the financial district. And so but I had to schedule my appointments, like, later. I couldn't get in. You could. I, I like, couldn't get a full day's work there, uh, frankly, because the traffic would drive me nuts. And when I, um, and when I had to, and when I had to, um... Take a training for a, a court-appointed, uh, the court-appointed, the bar advocates, the court-appointed lawyers course that the uh, Committee for Public Counsel Services put on, puts on. They make you do a two-week training, and that training's up in Boston, which getting, the training was great. Getting up there was not great. I couldn't, I didn't want to take the chance of taking, because, you know, you have to be there for the whole time. I didn't want to take the chance of driving in, right? And I didn't want to wake up early enough to drive in and sit in two hours of traffic. So I took the train from Middleborough and from, you know, from where I live in Fairhaven, that's a half hour. It was a half hour commute to Middleborough early in the morning. And then the train. And then a half hour commute back, that adds an extra hour onto your day. If you live in the if you live in you know, Fairhaven, Dartmouth, if you live in Fairhaven, Dartmouth, Freetown, right? In the in just the immediate area of New Bedford. Lake uh well, I guess if you're in Lakeville, you're already there, right? Uh, right? Marion. It's gonna be a lot easier for you to access the it's gonna be a lot easier for you to access rail service. And I think again, uh, an absolute positive uh, for the city. You know, I heard a lot of, there was a lot of calls that came in that were negative. I don't necessarily think that represents the broader electorate, but I do know that our, that our listeners, the people who listen to this program are the people who vote. So I hoped that that cleared up some questions about the MVTA district. And I do understand and sympathize with the position a lot of people are in because I was kind of in it myself where, you know, we keep hearing about the train, the train's coming, the train's coming. It's finally here. Basically, the tracks are being laid. You can see it over in Ward 3, the The station's being built. And then, you know, the station's being built. And then we get, oh, well, you got to vote. You got to vote on it. It's going to be a district and you're like, wait, what? And it kind of quietly got put on the city council agenda. McCarthy pointed it out. Kind of just got quietly put on the agenda and everybody's like, well, hold on. What is this? The city council passed it unanimously, which is good. It's going to be on the ballot, but I understand that people were like, wait, hold on. What do we get a vote on? What's an MBTA district? What does this mean for us? Does that mean we have to do this? Does that mean we have to do that? What are the commitments that we're making here? And that's really, that's all very, again, very understandable, uh, a very understandable position. Uh, But it's going to, it's going to cost, it's going to cost little to nothing compared to what the city's already paying in transportation costs. And... It's going to pro- provide greater opportunity, I think, for the region. And I think if you go in and you vote against it, I think that's just going to demonstrate. I think that's going to, you know, we want more opportunity from to come from Boston's, you know, obviously the central economic hub of the state. Right. And we want we want the we want to have access To Boston. We want to have better, more access to Boston, not less. And I think a vote against this, even if the legislature acts on it, sends a poor, like a bad message to people outside of the region that look in and say, well, they don't even want this opportunity. Do I want to bring my opportunities to them? I think embracing it is set and doing it overwhelmingly, I think you know, sends the clear message that there's, you know, there's opportunity here and, and that people here are willing to uh, embrace those opportunities. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on. I'm going to take a- another break and we'll be back. Listen to us live. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we've got Cameron Costa who is running against Chris Markey in the, um, in the race for state rep and um, actually, uh, I'm just going to take one more break before we finish the hour. We'll be right back. 1420 WBS. I'm Marcus. Chris McCarthy will be back tomorrow. We have Cameron Costa uh, joining us tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Um, and we're, we're joined by you at 508 996 0500 whenever you want to give us a call. So, and the one thing I've noticed about uh, this election season, and, uh, aside from how. You know, especially busy it is, is the amount of direct mailers that we've gotten in our mailboxes. I've gotten, I think it's been every single day, uh, this week so far, we've gotten direct mails from Tom Quinn, from Rick Trapillo, from Bill Strauss, uh, and, uh, from candidates for statewide office. I got a mailer from, uh, Andrea Campbell from Shannonless Reardon. Um so uh I that's one of the mo- most important um uh, facets of a campaign. You know when I was running a, a municipal campaign, we made sure to send out uh as many mailers as we could uh as we could afford to because they're one of the more expensive components of a campaign as well, but uh they're well worth it. Uh I just saw a mailer today actually from uh Tom Quinn uh with our uh, with our Senator Mark Montigny uh giving a full-throated endorsement of of uh, of DA Quinn I think he sent out a mailer every day. I do appreciate how much um cause that election's not competitive. Uh I don't think it will be competitive. I would be I would be surprised if it was. And I do appreciate how much the DA is not taking it for granted uh that he should get reelected and uh fairly easily um that he's actually out there really trying. You can't turn uh, left or right anywhere in Bristol County without seeing a reelect DA Quinn sign. And again, I've seen mailers in the mailbox every day. One of them actually quoting our uh, our good friend, uh, Chris McCarthy, who had had some, uh, I think, effusive commentary for ta- uh, for DA Quinn. And plus he, DA Quinn is running ads here on, on WBSM as well. So really working hard to get his messaging out there. And again can't stress this enough. He doesn't really have to. And uh, um, I I do, I do appreciate that. I don't live in Dartmouth. I'm sure if I did, I'd probably see some Marky mailers or Cameron Costa mailers. But uh, if you do, if you've seen one of those, you know, let me know uh, what you think of that race too. If you're from Dartmouth, I know we have a uh, a lot of Dartmouth listeners out there in our audience. And that's, of course, a really interesting race, too. You saw that um, Charlie Baker has endorsed Chris Markey. So you've got the likely incoming governor, uh, Moore Healy, the Democrat, and the likely out, uh, and well, not likely the outgoing governor, Charlie Baker, the Republican, both endorsing Chris Markey uh, in the state house, which I think says a lot about his ability to um I guess uh, work uh, uh, pragmatically um, uh, work on, uh, on on legislation uh, across across the um, across the aisle. Uh, I think it says a lot about his his um, his ability to be a legislature uh, that that these but that both of those, Governors, essentially two governors are willing to um, put their endorsements forward uh, for Chris Markey. Okay, we're going to be joined by Rick Trapillo in a few minutes after the news break. So stay tuned, and he'll be taking your calls too at 508-996-0500. This is South Coast Tonight, and uh, I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow.